Uh, we're going to a city uh, in a couple of weeks. Now, I, I realise Bundaberg is technically a city. Uh, we're 96,000 across the region or something. I'm not sure what the statistics are now. But we're going to an actual city uh, soon. My, my parents are coming up to look after our children. And Jen and I, along with some others from church, uh, Phil and Liz uh, and Bindi, we're going to an empowering leadership intensive at Sydney Missionary and Bible College. Uh, I hope that what we learn there and reflect on and, and discuss will be really useful for us here uh, as a local church. It's not a holiday, but we're going to Sydney. Um, I'm getting excited. I'm starting to get excited about this. Jen, less so. We've never left our kids behind for this long before. Um, but you, Sydney, there's the Harbour Bridge and you, you walk along there at night time and you look out at the lights. There's, there's the, the Opera House, if you're into that. Uh, there's all this different food, different cultures. Uh, it's a wonderful place uh, to visit. And I guess the downside is there's the traffic um, as well. Since COVID, we've been noticing this great movement away from those larger cities, uh, people moving to the regions. Uh, I don't know if it's been your experience as well, but I keep on meeting people most weeks who have newly arrived from a larger city to our region uh, are people finally realising what we already know. The country is more like the Garden of Eden than the city. Uh, I'm saying that tongue in cheek if you didn't pick that up. Uh, I heard someone say manure is good but it's no good in a heap. You've got to spread it out. So here's some backyard gardening advice. Spread the manure out. What is a city? It's a heap of people. Often millions and millions and millions of people in a heap, insecure people, people concerned about their reputations, proud people, self-interested people, well, people like you and me, but piled up. How can that be any good? Today we're looking at this, this famous city in the Bible, Babel from Genesis chapter 11, and after the flood, which we looked at last week, God restarts creation with this, this new humanity. Noah's the new Adam. But in Genesis chapter 9, we see that Noah's family is just like absolutely everybody else. Noah's son Ham is cursed for violating his dad, and he's destined to be the slave of his two brothers. And when we get to chapter 10, if you've Bibles there, you'll see there's a title, The Table of Nations. We see that that brother, Ham, his descendants, they're an interesting mix. Ham is the father of Canaan, whose descendants will be kicked out of their land by Shem's descendants, the Israelites, God's people of old. But Ham's family tree also includes the first famous warrior, Nimrod, and nations that will become world superpowers, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, nations that the Israelites will have a lot of trouble with as the, the Bible storyline progresses. Unlike Ham in chapter 9, Shem is blessed. And Abraham, famous in the Bible, and ultimately Israel, descend from Shem's line. And then we can trace that to King David and then, of course, to King Jesus. 
In Genesis chapter 10, the chapter just before where Holy read for us, there's this repetition, the nations spread out or scattered. That's good. Just as God commanded Adam to fill the earth, so he commanded Noah to do the same. But just as Cain resisted God's curse on him when he killed his brother, you remember in chapter 4, you might remember if you've been following along in Genesis, in chapter 4, Cain was to be a restless wanderer, but he built a city in chapter 4, verse 17. He built a city in defiance of God, it would seem. I'm not going to be a restless wanderer. It's not that cities are bad things, though some of you will argue that they are, and feel free to use that manure analogy. I think it's a good one. Uh, It's not that cities are bad things, but it would seem in the context here of Genesis, uh, the first 11 chapters, the cities, they're being built in defiance of God. So what about this city, Babel? Well, in contrast to the world that you and I know today, which looks a lot more like chapter 10, different languages, different cultures, different nationalities spread out across the earth. In contrast, it's chapter 11, verse 1, common speech. Chapter 11, verse 2, instead of spreading, scattering, it's settling down. And you notice what the people say to each other? Verse 4 of chapter 11, look there if your Bible's in front of you, we'll read. They say, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. And if you've been reading Genesis chapter 1 to 11, you you might pick up on the language. It's interesting. Let us build ourselves a city. It sounds like God from Genesis chapter 1 where he says, let us make mankind in our image. This is humanity thinking too much of themselves. This is humanity playing God. And you only have to read the Tower of Babel at a fairly surface level to recognise this theme of human pride. Uh, Pride wants people to notice you. Uh, Pride wants people to look up to you. Pride wants people to, to praise you. Pride wants to feel superior to others. It's hard not to be proud. But the reality is pride costs. Pride costs God rightly having all the glory and honour and credit. Pride costs the reputations of those that you put down to make yourself look good. And we know, don't we, the opposite of pride is humility. And as C.S. Lewis famously said, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, as in I'm inferior, but thinking of yourself less. Who were you thinking of as you came in here this afternoon? It's hard not to be proud. In Babel, we have a proud Human-centred city. Let us make a name for ourselves. 
It represents cities like Nineveh and Babylon and and Rome. But you see, God comes down to see what they're up to. And maybe there's something comical in God coming down as these people are trying to build up. In any case, he's not impressed. See verse 6? He says, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan will be impossible for them. You see the recognition here from the Lord that as God's image bearers, humans are enormously powerful. And just like he did in banishing them from the garden in chapter 2, I mean chapter 3, and placing an age limit on them in chapter 6, God shatters their plans to be acting like God by confusing their language. And it also has the effect of causing them to spread out so they can now fulfill God's command to fill the earth. At a very simplistic level, you read this and you think, well, uh, nationalism is not on. It mustn't be Australia first. Here we are building our empire for our glory. No. And if I'm building something big for my personal glory or even something small that I feel is big, which, to be honest, it's usually how it is, isn't it? Even if it's just my ego, I'm on the wrong track. It can be so cute watching a little kid dream about the big plans they have for the future. Big dreams. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. These people wanted to be famous. Let us make a name for ourselves. Ironically, they are famous, but for their arrogance. I think the reality is if we don't recognise we're a part of something bigger than ourselves, we will live for our reputation, for our glory or comfort or ease or security. And if we take God out of the picture... Well, what else is there to live for apart from me? You may know the movement throughout the Bible that is towards city. God is not anti-city. In fact, you may know Jerusalem. Well, it's called the city of the city of God. God's people of old, the Israelites, that they don't settle fully in the promised land until Solomon builds the temple in the city of Jerusalem. That's because the temple represents God's dwelling place. And the removal of God's people from the city of Jerusalem is a disaster for them and represents God's judgment and exile. It's like Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And so the Israelites, the exiled Israelites, long to return to Jerusalem, the promised land... God's dwelling place. And you get to the Gospels, uh, Jesus heads where? To Jerusalem, the city, because that's where he'll be crowned and proclaimed king. And the book of Acts begins in Jerusalem and it ends in Rome, another city. 
as the gospel goes to the ends of the earth so that King Jesus is preached and followed in the Roman Empire, in the Roman Empire's capital city. And you're flicking through your Bible and you're thinking, city, because I love the regions. And you're thinking, well, finally, there's revelation, isn't there? Uh, and there's movement from Babylon and Rome, the, the city of the world, to the new Jerusalem. Babylon, the city of this world, is overthrown in Revelation chapter 18 and, and replaced by the city of God, Revelation 21. And you, you read those famous verses or verse 2 of Revelation 21, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. God's not any city. In fact, the goal of God's creation is the city, the new creation. Thankfully, it just happens to be a garden city though, hey. Best of both worlds. And whether a city is good or bad depends on whether it exists as a human, as a monument to human power, cleverness and achievement. How great are we? Or for God's honour, glory and praise. Like the new Jerusalem will be. Now, if Jerusalem... The city of God represents the the reversal of Babel as the city of God. A city not living for our glory, but a city for his glory and reputation. And we ultimately look to that in the the fulfilment of the new creation, the new Jerusalem that is to come. Well, then the day of Pentecost is a reversal of the confusion of the languages of Babel. And so just as God comes down in Genesis chapter 11, so God the Holy Spirit shows up in Acts chapter 2 in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, but instead of confusion, people speaking different languages, they hear one gospel message. One gospel message across many different languages, cultures and people groups. And the purpose for the reversal of the confusion of languages Not to make Jerusalem or the Jews famous, but to announce Jesus Christ as the rightful king of the world, that his name may be declared great. And we read this in Acts 2, 36, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now, I reckon it's interesting that what happens next is God's people are scattered across the whole world with this message. There's a command to fill the earth, to go and make disciples, says Jesus. You will be my witnesses, he says to the apostles, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth equipped for the task by God the Holy Spirit himself. And so in a world where Caesar is king back in the first century and the empire's capital was Rome, there was a calling of men and women to pledge allegiance to an alternative king. 
and to be an alternative city in every city and region across the world. Just as today the gospel calls us to live a different lifestyle, not by escaping this world as Christians can be tempted to do, but by living differently here for his reputation and not our own. Uh, I don't know how clear that was, that talk. I mean, where we're up to now. Is it falling into place or are you thinking, what are you... Anyway, I I want to ask you this this afternoon. How are you going with this? Living differently here in this city, so-called city, for his reputation and not yours. Because it is easier not to live among the world, to not scatter, isn't it? It's easier to not be on about the business of going and making disciples. And it can be tempting to live as though my allegiance is to this city and not the one that is to come. Uh, Some of you may or may not be aware of this. We have these core commitments as a church, our core values. And one of them says this, we're committed to God's reputation, not our own. Having put our trust in Jesus, we have a complete change of priority. We desire to look more and more like Christ. Our concern is not for our reputation, but for God's. This means we have a desire to see many healthy churches planted and revitalised across our region as well as across Australia and the world. It's interesting, isn't it, that God's building an alternative city all over the world, his people living for his glory. And there's two temptations for me. One is to just live in this world and enjoy it and and live for myself, comfort, ease, lifestyle, create a name for myself, be a hero. That's one temptation. And the other temptation is just to hunker down and not to tell anybody about this Lord Jesus Christ who died and rose and is reigning. And there are two things I need to pray about. So why don't we pray together about that? Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we, um, we thank you for the picture of Babel, uh, a city... Uh, united in purpose, let's make a name for ourselves. Let's be up ourselves together. Uh, Lord, as we reflect on the reality of pride, we're so conscious that it is very easy to be proud people. Lord, we recognise that pride means you don't get the glory and it means we put down those around us whom we're trying to be better than. Lord, forgive us for this and we pray that you would capture our hearts uh, through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that he is the true king Um, and we Thank you, Lord, that uh, finding 
life in him, well, there is no greater thing. Lord, help us to recognise that we are part of something much, much bigger than ourselves. Uh, That there is a creator, a loving God who made us for relationship. An almighty, personal God who we can know and enjoy who forgives us through Jesus' death and adopts us into family. And Lord, we pray that you would help us live for him, enjoy him, and make him known to the cities, to our city here in Bundaberg. Um, Lord, please uh, change our hearts. Guard us from withdrawing from this world. But as we live in it, protect us from all of those temptations too. And we pray, Lord, that we truly would be a people who live for your reputation, for your renown, and not our own. And we pray these things in Jesus' great name. Amen.